North Otago. It's rich in history and strong in character. And you have found the podcast that celebrates all that is good within our district. Join Gary and Damien every week as they either interview a legend or someone who is putting North Otago on the map yet again. North Otago legends, up-and-comers, and a bit of history. The name says it all. Well, welcome back to part two of uh, Hayden Mikkel's amazing journey and time in North Otago. Um, you may have picked up that he loves his sport, he loves his town, he loves his job, and he loves Waitaki Boys High School. So um, we left off last week asking him the question, when is your book coming out? And it's a jolly good answer. He's uh, passionate about what he does. So let's get back to Hayden and find out what he thinks with that question. So on my list, bucket list for a long time, I would like to write a book. It's been one of my things that I would like to do before I finish my career, just to say I've written a book. I tried to get Brendan McCullum because I figured that would be an easy in, and I knew I knew Brendan from a young age. And there's nothing easier to write than a book on a black cap or an all black. Yeah. Uh, Brendan broke the news that he'd already agreed to do a book with Greg McGee. No, was it with Greg McGee? Hello, another Waitaki yeah, boy. Another, yeah, another writer. Yep. Uh, Richie McCaw, I'm afraid, I didn't know well enough to ask Richie. Yeah. Um, ben Smith I joked about with years and years ago and then lo and behold he ended up doing a book with a former colleague of mine uh, so I guess I should try and get in with a, with a Courtney Duncan yeah. or a somebody like that or a, or a Gary Kircher when he looks back on his he might Gary, be the longest serving mirror in New Zealand in about yeah. 20 years uh, look, I'd, I'd rather read um, the anyway. popularity of Meikle names <laughs> in New Zealand I could, than Gary Kircher's uh, autobiography man. Perhaps, perhaps I can update that book yeah, yeah, see where the Meikles rank now yeah. I've had two ideas for books over the years and one is one is loosely called The Great New Zealand Sports Book and that's where I basically rank every New Zealand sports person, and it's one of those style of books, and I do that. Yeah. And the other one, you know, the other book I would love to do, so my favourite sports book of all time is Friday Night Lights, which, if you don't know, it became a movie and a TV show, but it was a book written by an American sports writer who spent a season with a high school football gridiron team in West Texas. And it's an extraordinary study into society and racism and economics and boom and bust oil towns in America. A very, very famous book. And later years, I went to America and I went to the little town of Odessa, West Texas, just because of that book. So one of my dreams was to spend a season with the North Otago rugby team or the Waitaki Boys High School First 15. Literally be embed myself with those teams. Attend every team practice, every meeting, every game behind the scenes. Never been done in New Zealand journalism before. Because maybe nobody's thought of it, but also... I think most New Zealand rugby teams would not be that keen because it would be warts and all. Mm. Warts and all. And sometimes you'd be writing about things, what the boys are up to on a Saturday night, yeah. they might not like. But it would be fascinating. And it would be a fascinating snapshot into the dynamics. It's often young men, right? So first 15 or even the Valley Rugby Club, what's the average age of that team now, 23, 24? What they get up to, what their lives are like. And I still, part of me is a grain of hope that if I can convince, I know Jason Forrest well, maybe he's up for it, but they would have to be willing and able for everything to be on the record. And there's a risk, of course, that that could go bad. There's a risk, of course, that people could read it and think, goodness me, those boys got up to some trouble at the weekend. But I think it could be fascinating because it's not actually about rugby. The best sports Mm. books are not about sport. Mm. It's about people. And the best sports journalism is not about sport. It's about people. So my vision and dream, if not just, yeah, nice, easy... um, Aaron Smith, I must talk to Aaron Smith in the coming weeks. Yeah, yeah. Mate, come on, let's do a book. 
I, I was going to ask whether he has done one because I'm not sure. But yeah. He hasn't, but he I, hasn't. I, I wouldn't. I'm sure. I mean, he would, you know, to me, he's the greatest all-black halfback of all time. He's the greatest Highlander of all time. He's got the platform. Yeah, he's, ben Smith. he's an extraordinary, yeah, so I, I would. Yeah. I mean, I would. I love Ben Smith. I watched Ben Smith from the age of 18, yeah. play right through, and he's a, a wonderful human being, Ben. He's not mm. changed in the slightest. And I know Ben's wife, Katie, Ben is one of the greatest people you'll ever meet. But I, I would now have Aaron Smith. It's the two Smiths, one and two, mm. greatest Highlanders of all time. We're talking 27 years now. Yeah, I'd have Aaron number one. He is a remarkable rugby player. He changed the game, and the Highlanders are going to miss him desperately when he goes. He's. I, I don't know Aaron well. I really haven't had much to do with him. But an extraordinary bloke. To me, the greatest Highlander, and I'm going to ask him very soon if he'd like to do a book. Good Let's luck. do it. All the best. Yeah. No. He's, a, he's one of the greats, absolutely. Yeah. I, I have figured out how, how the you know North Otago team or whichever team you, you shadow there can get away with stuff. they just got to wait until after like 10 p.m. and you've <laughs> yeah, gone yeah. off to bed. And then Basically these days, Gary, <laughs> there's no doubt at all. Yeah. No. I couldn't be around the clock embedded with them. Slip you a, a hot cocoa. and <laughs> Basically. No, but then <laughs> you get so. Snapchats, friend, uh, of oh, all yeah. of them. Of course. And then in the morning right. you wake up and you can see exactly what right. happened. This is true. And um, yeah. you just write on that. That's how social media has changed. Yeah. And that's yeah. the other thing, of course, is these days people probably feel like now, 30 years ago, you could probably write a book like that. And now people start to feel like they know people through social media. So so I don't know. Look, mm. Yes, I would love to write a book. I would love it just for the having achieved it and having written a book and have my name on the front page of a book that within six months will probably be in the clearance bin at the warehouse. But so be it. I did it. So mm. one day, hopefully. Hey, look, if you really wanted a real challenge, a North Otago Masters team, mm. uh, you could follow them around. Because I definitely in bed by 9, 8, 9 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Are there any decent stories, characters? You know, what's chapter one? Yeah, chapter one. Chapter one. In the beginning. Yeah. It's, yeah, pretty much Damien's on the barbecue and the team's off onto the field to, to play the game. They're not far off. Not far off the truth yet. <laughs> uh, hey. Um, other good sports players coming through, North Otago Lynx, Sam Timmons, people like that. Do you have much to do with... Yeah, so I've, I know Sam a little bit. I've interviewed him a couple. Of, I'm not the basketball writer, so I don't have a huge amount to do with him. But yeah. I've interviewed him a couple of times, and I know the family. I mean, his, yeah. I know his his mum and his, his auntie Paula Magookan. I've interviewed yeah. his his grandmother, the, the legend Sandra Magookan, great North Otago stock, of course. And <laughs> he's, like, he's 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 related they, to. They're related. Yeah, auntie Sandra. Well, well, we're all related. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, she's an amazing story. And look, Sam is. Not an extraordinary basketball, but a lovely bloke as well. Really and nice and I, I, yeah. I'm a journalist. I rate people who are nice to me, yeah. who are good to talk to. And young Sam Timmins, yeah. who's about eight foot five, and I look up at Sam, <laughs> lovely bloke, good to talk to. And what I love most of all, so I started covering, we haven't really talked about my journalism career much, have we? I'm just rambling. Anyway, 1998, I start, <laughs> and suddenly I'm pitched into covering basketball, knew nothing about basketball. Not a real, played NBA Jam, the video game. That's yeah. how I became a Knicks fan. Covered the Nuggets and grew to love covering basketball. Wonderful sport. Wonderful sport. And I enjoyed covering the Nuggets. They were just a bit hopeless when I was the basketball writer. To watch Sam Timmons last year, just almost screaming in excitement and exultation. There's a kid who's, who's grown up, you know, strong North Otago Lynx, but he's an Otago, Dunedin boy through and through. Grew up very passionate about playing for Otago and the Nuggets. The Nuggets were defunct for a few years. Sam went away, went to college, played for Canterbury for a year. Um, came back. Did he play for Canterbury or did he played for the Franklin Bulls? Came back. Him and his mates, a couple of American imports, playing for the Otago Nuggets. They win the National Basketball League last year. And mm. Sam Timmons, and it really hit home to me. I was excited, 
professionally excited because my young basketball writer at the time, Jeff Cheshire, was there and we were on page one. But when Sam spoke about what it meant to him and about what it meant for Otago to rule the world. Now down, let's face it, south of the Waitaki, we often feel a bit ignored. We're, we're small um, population-wise. We, we, you know, New Zealand begins and ends with Auckland and, and to a lesser extent Wellington and Christchurch. And, and it really brought it home to me. There's a kid who bleeds for Otago. And he goes away to tournaments all his life, and oh, you're from Otago. No, you're just Otago. We yeah. don't need to worry about you. To win, and it was the same in North Otago. Won the old third division. We've done it. Or won the Meads Cup. That was big for me. That was a really. I, I love seeing success in my district, and I am. I'm North Otago to the core, but my job's at the Otago Daily Times, and mainly it's Otago teams I'm interested in to see them win. The Otago hockey men's hockey team last year mm. won that national tournament for mm. the first time ever. That was very cool. For me, it was netball when I started my career. I had those amazing Otago and Rebels netball teams. Yeah. I love our district succeeding. So seeing North Otago kids doing well is wonderful. Seeing Otago teams beating Auckland and Canterbury and Wellington is still gives me a buzz, you know. So now Sam Timmins, absolute can't say enough about that young fella. Yeah, Great kid. Well. Even um, teams like John McGlashan's last year did a stellar year. And, and, and that's when, yeah. see, when I was a, at Wataki Wars, we didn't even play rugby against John McGlashan. The yeah. thought would have been laughable. We would have put 100 points around them. Now, it's, things have changed quite a bit. Johnny's very serious about their rugby. And last year, I was lucky enough to cover a couple of their games. Um, I think one of my colleagues was away, so I had to pitch in. Bunch of great kids. Interviewed interviewed Andrew Hawes, uh, not Andrew Hawes, Charlie Hawes. Yeah. Andrew's nephew, Max. Charlie's son, a lovely young kid. Um, uh, the boy Timu, Jack Timu, very yeah. famous last name, and, and Josh Funger. Great kids, and, and to see any school from... Dunedin, but any school from the wider district do well, always gives us a buzz at the ADT. We're not cynical, hard-bitten people who get bored by it. I loved it. John McGlashan College success was great. Any school success is great. Um, but more and more lately it has been the individuals. You know, Courtney Duncan is... Yeah. I don't know Courtney well mm-hmm. at all. I sat next to her at the Waitaki Sports Awards a couple of years ago. I wouldn't say I know her well. I don't understand the slightest thing about how she can do what she does. I mean, that's ridiculous. And how she can be so much better than everyone it's else. It's kind of a nonsense, but yeah. she is... Extraordinary and a freak mm. in the nicest sense of the word, and what a wonderful story for the kid from Palmerston yeah. uh, to take on the world and win. So she's brilliant. Susie Bates has been a big. I've been a big fan of Susie's. I know Susie a little bit. Got to know her when she was just a school kid, basically. She's wonderful. Yeah. Um, Emma Gilmore now, you know, yeah. a woman from Dunedin who's off racing for McLaren in this extraordinary series in the Saudi Arabian desert. She's a wonderful story. Yeah. There's some. There are still. Some, I'm a judge of the Otago Sports Awards, which is. Um, I was a judge with the Waitaki Sports Awards, but I'm involved now just with the Hall of Fame section. When I go to the Otago Sports Awards and you look at the talent we have got, and we are an area that punches above its weight. Resource, we don't have the same resources. We don't have the same population. Still, by and large, we, we lose a lot of kids. They go north. Yeah. Goodness me. I think we've got the highest rate of participation in school sport in New Zealand and Otago. Our kids' sport is still a huge deal for our kids. And to circle back to my career... When people say well, sport's not that important, I say, well, no, in comparison to uh, extremely serious stuff like like health matters or the war in Ukraine or, or families struggling to put food on the table because of the cost of living, no, I agree. It's not as important as those things, but it's still extremely important in its own right. Sport is about community and it's about health. Uh, and for a lot of people, of course, it's their jobs, it's their careers. There's still, to me, something in sport that is magical. And I love people succeeding from our district and I love how it brings people together. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it brings people together to complain about how their team's performing. But 
sport to me is, is it's got drama, it's got art, it's got poetry, it's um it's massive. And I love the fact that it's still a big deal, and I love the fact that my newspaper, the ODT, still treats it as a big deal, and we are passionately proud of the job we do covering sport. So I um yeah, sport is my life, and I suspect it probably will be for quite a long time. It's it's such a uniting thing, you know. It, it, even if you're uniting in a a team of fans against another team of fans, mm-hmm. but it's you know it can be a very very positive thing it, for it a be. community. It so, can be negative, of yeah, course, and it's yeah. got its challenges. Yep. And and post COVID and in a in a society that's changed with things like social media, with 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 I think at times, and I don't want to sound like an old dinosaur here, but a certain fracturing of some communities. A mm-hmm. certain, not not, not that's a broad broom, of course, but I do think about those things, and and I look at traditional team sports, and I look at cricket and rugby especially, and think those are sports with big challenges ahead, because people change. Mm-hmm. People work on Saturdays now, and they've they're off to do stuff with their kids, and people don't always want to do what they did, which was set aside a whole day on Saturday for their organised sport. I think those sports have big challenges ahead. A lot of people these days would rather have a quiet round of golf or go for a bike ride on a Saturday. So I think, you know, and of course, in the old days, of course, Ed, we were so limited for choice. Yeah. And if you were a boy, we played Play rugby. rugby in the winter and cricket in the yeah. summer. And now there's 50 different sports at schools and kids are playing handball and they're playing yeah. lots of different individual but sports. All which the multi sports and all of that type Heaps of stuff. stuff. Yeah. There's, there's so much stuff. So it's, it's, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Choice is great. And if kids have been active, ultimately, it doesn't matter whether they're playing rugby or whether they're doing something vastly different. But there are challenges for those sports that used to just get kids by their hundreds because that's just what you did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk a wee bit about your journalism. Mm-hmm. We in should. The, yeah. In the two minutes we've got left. <laughs> yeah, well. Because you've, you've bounced around well, so backwards and forwards. The world's most boring career. Started at the ODT <laughs> as a sports reporter. and then But I had an itch I needed to scratch, and that itch I needed to work at the Omro Mail, which at the time, we're talking the year 2000, was the broadsheet daily Omro Mail, mm-hmm. and it was the opposition to the ODT. And I tell people about this constantly. Do you realise that, you know, once upon a time, the Waitaki District Council was held to account by three different publications. And council meetings would have someone from the ODT and someone from the Omaru Mail and someone from the High Country Herald, often, as it was known. And, and, and uh, there's, there's, there's a wee nameplate still there for Radio Waitaki goodness, as well. Radio Waitaki. <laughs> and, and healthy for democracy, for yeah, people absolutely. like you, Gary, yep. and your yep. council to be held to account. Yep. So the Omaru Mail was the opposition at the time, and people thought I was daft. Do you realise you've just started a We Love Hate and Meekle fan club and what that comment then? <laughs> goodness. No, 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 be held absolutely. to account. You're going to be championed. Next time you I'm come, there's going to be a statue of you. It's and absolutely people are going to be Hold you up there a plaque, is a plaque will do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll plant a tree for him. This become yeah. people thought I was daft because I had my dream job at the age of twenty. I'm a sports reporter. <laughs> Why would you? And they thought I was. But it's hard to explain. I wanted to work at the Omaru Mail, and I wanted to live at home for a while. And at the time, I didn't know for how long. I finished at the ODT after two and a half years on a Friday night. Mum and Dad came down with a trailer, moved me out on the Saturday morning, and the Saturday afternoon I was covering North Otago versus Horofanua Kapiti. And I remember, and it was muddy, and they'd left out a camera for me. I had to take my own photo, and I thought, what have I done? So I spent 15 months only at the Omaru Mail when it was a daily paper, and it was an opposition owned by, I suppose, Wilson and Horton at the time, or somebody, Mm. early 2000, 2001, and I loved it. And it was full on, and I wrote all sorts of stuff, um, but 15 months was enough. I, I lived with mum and dad for the year, saved a lot of money, loved it. But my old job came back up at the ODT, and at the start of 2002, it was the right thing to do. So I went back to the ODT, and I was a sports reporter for another six years, covering netball, basketball, a little bit of cricket, a little bit of hockey, taekwondo, badminton, wrestling, you named it. I covered everything. I was very lucky to cover everything. 
Uh, I got a scholarship to the United States, so that's probably the coolest thing I've had. I won a journalism scholarship. I spent four weeks in the United States. By this time, I'd become a, a bit of a freak for American sports, particularly American college sport, thanks to Mark Dickel, who yeah. from Dunedin, mm. kid who went and yeah. absolutely superstar of college basketball. So I got into college basketball. Spent four weeks in the States just tricking around Indiana, Texas, California, Arizona to hang out with Diane Hollins, who was a great tennis player from Dunedin. She was on scholarship at the University of Arizona. In 2008, I would say I really got my dream job. So 2008 was a huge year for me. My son, Eli, was born. I was a stepfather to two, but my son, Eli, was born. And shortly after, I became sports editor of the ODT. Brent Edwards had been my great mentor as sports editor, then Craig Page. And at the age of 30, I would have said, this is my dream job, and I'm never going to leave it. Yep. Sports editor, we had a staff of five in the sport and racing department. Absolutely loved it. So mainly managing other people, covering the sports that I wanted to cover. Went to the New Zealand Open golf four times at the Hills. And let me tell you, gentlemen, best sport to cover, hands down, is golf. The golfers are interesting, the setting is beautiful, and the food is plentiful and free. <laughs> it is wonderful, best sport to cover. So I had all the experiences I wanted. And in 2014, I was, I'm 37 years old, I'm, I'm, I'm a dad, a stepdad, uh, a husband at the time, um, dream job, and, and one phone call changed everything. My mum rang to say, Dad's dad's sick, so Trev was sick, and my wife at the time, uh, we're no longer together, she she said, why don't we go back to Omaru? So I went back to Omaru, and I was sports editor for a year, based from Omaru. And, and honestly, I count myself so lucky that I was allowed to do that, but that also by this stage, the ODT had bought the Omaru Mail, Allied Press. And if people don't know, well, Allied Press bought the Omaru Mail because if they didn't, there would be an Omaru Mail these days. Mm-hmm. And a year later, they turned into a weekly paper. And the first editor of the weekly Omaru Mail was, was me. Um, I'd decided it was time for a change. I was in Omaru and I knew it would be a challenge. I didn't fully grasp what a challenge it would be, but probably the experience of my journalistic life. I was the first editor of the weekly Omaru Mail. Didn't know what we were doing. I was given a blank slate to give it a crack. Of course, we hit, I was working for the ODT at the same time, but by and large, it was radio. Make this, after 100 plus years as a, as a mm-hmm. daily, make this work. And some people were angry. We had people who were very concerned what they would miss by not having their daily local paper. But we threw ourselves into it. Sally Brooker, my great mate, and I, and then Daniel Birchfield and Hamish McLean and various people, and I... I was North Otago editor for three years and loved it. And I was I poured my heart and soul into the Omaru Mail and loved it with a great passion. But in the interim, my mum had also got sick and died. So I lost both my parents in the space of three years. Uh, and my then wife um, decided uh, perhaps we could go back to Moscow where her family lived. And and I was half and half, half of me very excited about leaving, half of me I'd loved being back in Omaru and had really grown to love the place. And I loved the job. Uh, but in the meantime, I'd headhunted a rather remarkable replacement, and I give myself quite a lot of credit for yeah. finding, and I'm talking about Rebecca Ryan, yeah. who later made the extraordinary decision to join politics, of all yeah, things, like and who? become a councillor yeah. headed by a mayor. I just couldn't believe it. But anyway, I, yeah. I rang Rebecca and said, I'm, I'm going back to Dunedin. You need to come back to Omaru. Yeah. And, and she thought about it, and she did. So I left the Omaru Mail in very good hands, and she... You, you certainly did. She did an absolutely wonderful job. And yeah. I love Rebecca to bits, and she did an extraordinary job. Won all the, all the national awards that I could never win. I was always the bridesmaid with the Omaru Mail. But I was, I'm very, very proud that I played a huge role in setting up that weekly paper. And I loved it. And I've never <laughs> felt so connected to a community as I had in those three years, because... People came in off the street to talk to me, good or bad. The local mayor came in to talk to me. People, I, I loved Probably it. I was, bad. I was the judge. 
of the Waitaki Girls Drama Night. I, I really felt, I loved the community, but I, I appreciated what a newspaper could still mean to a community. Mm. But I had to move back to Dunedin and I needed a job. And fortunately, the ODT, again, stroke of luck, assistant editor was up for grabs, you know, sort of third or fourth in command at the ODT. And I did three years back at the ODT as assistant editor. Great job, but it just wasn't quite for me in the end. I still had a hankering. So when sports editor came back up two years ago, I went, I demoted myself. And if anybody's listening, if you want to pursue your career and keep stepping up and up, good for you. That is an objectively good thing. But if you get to a point in your life where you feel, I want to choose real happiness in my job over the bigger salary, do it. And I did it, and I'm, I'm glad I did. I'm, um, I'm now a solo dad to a 14-year-old boy, but I have a job that I love with a great passion and still do, and a, a great company to work for. Slightly old-fashioned at times, starting to get with the playing times. It gives me freedom and flexibility to work my job. I've worked with a great, much smaller team, only three of us now, down from five, Adrian Ciccone and Kayla Hodge, who moved to Omaru and fell in love with Omaru, as everybody does. So we've allowed her to stay living in Omaru and come to Needham a bit. I love my job with a passion. I love journalism. I love my newspaper. And as everybody knows, we live in a time where the internet changed everything. Yep. And primarily, it sucked millions and millions and millions of dollars out of journalism. As a result, newspapers don't have the staff they do. But we are extremely lucky in this part of the world. I'm biased, but a good people in Omaru can get their weekly paper with what's happening they can buy their Target Daily Times. Uh, just announced today a finalist in the Voyager Media Awards, one of the top three in New Zealand, which and a newspaper company that values local journalism. The Allied Press owns something like 19 newspapers now. Most of them would have disappeared if Allied Press hadn't bought them. Yep. Uh, it's changed, um, and there's an example, Gary. So Waitaki District Council meeting these days, you'll either have one or, or zero reporters, I'm guessing. Sometimes they might only be watching Yeah, pretty Zoom. much. They just zoom in now. So that's different. Yep. Yep. Uh, and and look, there's live on YouTube, isn't it? Well, we think they zoom in. Yeah. <laughs> we think they probably zoom in. But, you know, the, the, you know there used to be four or 5,000 journalists in New Zealand. Now there's about twelve or 1,300. We're a dwindling breed, and it's an objectively bad thing for a, a modern world. We yeah. need journalism. It's very important that people are held to account. Um, but I love it. I still love the feel of newspaper. And I know... Kids these days, as they say, but a lot of people, they'd rather get their news on their phones or their iPad. That's fine. They still want to get their news. So that's our big thing for the future is we do need journalism and we need local journalism. And Allied Press is the best in New Zealand for valuing local journalism. If it happens in the South, we we cover it. We pride ourselves on that. The big challenge for us, like all journalism platforms, is how do we get people to pay for that? Because people are used to getting it for free. And thanks to the rise of social media, people are used to getting all sorts of news for free. Yeah. And they can mock mainstream media all they like and they can say journalists can't be trusted, but we still have checks and balances. We still take huge pride in trying to get things right. We make mistakes. I've made mistakes. Last year I wrote a story based on a very good source that Sam Cain was going to be dropped as All Black Captain. That turned out not to be true. It was it was a mistake. Um but we try very, very hard to be accurate and honest and fair and and by and large, I think we do a great job of that. So I could ramble on all day, but I love journalism. I love sports journalism particularly, obviously. Yeah. But I take great pride and enjoyment in, in, in what we do. Um, and I hope the Target Daily Times uh, and the Omri Mail and all of our other papers are here for a long time and that people value what we do. But the reality is we are going to have to continue. Like any industry, we've changed a lot in the past 10 years. We'll have to continue to change to meet the change in society because – my stepkids, 23 and 20, and my son, 14, 
they won't be picking up a piece of newsprint and flicking over the pages. I believe they'll still want news. Mm. I believe they'll still want news about Dunedin or Omaru or wherever they're living. So if we can deliver that news to them, <clears throat> we just need them to pay for it. So that's the big yeah. thing. So anyway, long story short, I love the ODT. I'm very glad I'm there. I hope I'm there for a long time. It's not perfect. We're not perfect, but we, we try pretty hard. Yeah, and I just want to pay tribute to the, the job that you have done. You've you know, got a great reputation as a writer, and um, you know and pe- I think people know that you're writing from a base of knowledge and but also passion. Um, but when you took over the Omaru Mail and you did have to reinvent it um, because, you know, it's, it's quite a different thing, you know, something that is delivered daily into homes versus something that comes once a week, but um, you've still got to sell the ads and so forth, mm-hmm. or, you know, have the stories. So you, you did set it up well and um, your, your successor uh, appointing her was a very good very choice good as well. So there are a couple of things, Gary, that I, for me with journalism, which I've really come to appreciate as I get older, and one is, in, you know, he tangata, he tangata, he tangata. It's about people, right? But it's true. And I think the worst journalists, the ones that people would say are arrogant, they're thinking of themselves when they write the story. And I always say, so I talked to journalism schools a lot. So it was in Timaru for years and I'd go visit. Then it was in Dunedin for years. And then unfortunately, journalism schools have sort of disappeared. But we have a cadetship scheme now at Allied Press, which is great. So I've done many speeches over the years to many journalism groups. And I stress to them, take pride in your work and I take pride in my work and if I write a story about the Highlanders or about the old golds I'm not being arrogant when I say that well ultimately I'm being paid to offer my opinion so if I think they've played poorly I'm going to write that that to me is an arrogance that's being confident in your voice but never forget who you are doing this job for when it boils down to it it's the people who buy your paper or in the Omri Miles case the people who read your paper it's a free paper but it will only survive if it gets advertising. Mm-hmm. And it will only survive and keep the advertising if people think it's been read by lots of people. Remember who your audience is. Think of them. Don't don't think of them to such a point where you're scared to write or to offend them. Unfortunately, that comes with the territory, Gary. You will have been annoyed at many things that have been written over the years. Never by me, obviously, but by others. No, of course not. But think of the people. When you're writing a story, think about them. Don't just think about yourself. And the other thing is my favourite quote of all time. So Red Smith is, is probably my hero in sports journalism, legendary American sports journalist in the golden era of you know, racing, boxing, and baseball in America. And somebody asked him, how do you become a great sports writer? But to me, it, it could apply, how do you become a great writer? And he said, you open a vein and you bleed. And that's the quote that I've used with every aspiring sports writer. Have passion for the job. Open a vein and, and you bleed. To be a good journalist, you have to feel something and you want your readers to feel something. I don't think I'm a great writer, but I think I'm okay, but I'm very comfortable with what I write and how I write it. Uh, and it came from reading. I'm a mm. constant reader and and I still love that feeling of stringing some words together on a page. Sometimes they sound great when I write them and I pick them up the next day and think, oh dear. <laughs> but sometimes, about once a year or so, I give myself a slight little satisfied, yeah, I'm actually quite pleased with that. Very good. A bit like being a mayor of a town, I reckon. You make all these decisions and the next day you think, hmm, really? You should try being a mayor of a district. There'll be no... (laughs) Even more people. No, thank you, Gary. I won't be following Rebecca Ryan's lead. No, you won't. No chance. No. No, it's... um, is there yeah, yeah, yeah. she's after the big job as well? Have you heard that? I think very... Yeah, early days. She's used to be the boss. Yeah, she knows what it's like. Every good lead. leader has yeah. a good succession plan. Yeah. Interesting. That's well, rather cryptic. That. Yeah. 
goodness me. You've got a very good deputy, of course, the wonderful Hana Hana Halalili. Yes, extraordinary yeah. woman. Mm-hmm. And um, but I mean, you've got another twenty odd years or so, Gary. What? How long did Shadbolt do? <laughs> Too long. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, someone shoot me if it gets that long. Shoot me. Come on, Gary. Anyway, moving on. Any, moving on. So what's left? Well, this, just a couple. Of what, 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 quick questions. What is next? A couple of quick questions. Cheese or chocolate? Wind it no. up. Cheese or chocolate? Chocolate. Chocolate. Um, yeah. <laughs> KFC and McDonald's. Um, KFC. Manu or Man City? I can't believe we haven't talked about football. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's only my, as I said. Apart from I love my Waitaki Boys Valley North Targa, but the only sporting team that affects my weekend really is the greatest football club in the world, Liverpool that Football was, Club. That was a question I actually had was about your love for for, for Liverpool. Mm. So what was it like at the Omri Mail working with Steve Wicks and his <laughs> fetish for West Ham? Wicks, he's a great mate of mine, but he knew his place. Yeah. And his place was, oh, West Ham lost. Oh, West, West, Ham in, West Ham in ninth. Well, I was saying, oh, Liverpool's in the Champions League final. Yeah, he? again. Great bloke. It would have been worse if he was a Man U fan or, a, or yeah. God forbid, a Man City fan. I mean, look, yeah. if, if Manchester United play Manchester City, I want, the, I want the proper football club to win. Yeah. I want Manchester United to win. I don't yeah. hate Manchester United. No. I don't particularly want them to be successful. No. But I, I don't like Manchester City. They represent all that's wrong with modern football. Yeah. But I'm I'm very I love more than I hate in football. And and I know a lot of fans, football fans are sustained by their hate for other clubs. I am just so in a Liverpool bubble, it's almost irrelevant who we play in any week. So tell me what score are you on for EPL? Your <laughs> fantasy league. Do you know I'm not I don't do it. Do you not? I, I do you would be a shoo-in. I do fantasy NFL. NFL. American yeah. football. And basketball? I've dabbled in it. Yeah. I've dabbled in baseball. That's difficult. But fantasy NFL is my only real love. I don't do fantasy football. To me, it detracts from what my daily appetite is, which is what's happening with Liverpool. Well, it got That's me all in, I care about. It got me into football more. That. And then I had a friend who said, oh, come on, get into this. You play football. And Jeez. I didn't really. I, had, I followed Arsenal yep. because when I was working in London in a pub, the I was say, you, manager you, was an Arsenal and I just... You've followed Arsenal know. for about seven months, haven't you? No, no, go. don't you dare. Cut that out. See, I, I couldn't be more into Liverpool. So funny, football for me started with the 1986 World Cup. I'll show you my Arsenal I was only, No, that's fine, Damien. I was about nine in 1986. And that was a great World Cup, of course, Kenneth. the Maradona World Cup. Yeah. So I would say my love of football started with a World Cup. And then, look, I don't know when my Liverpool love started, but the reality is... They were strong in the 80s and what match of the day was probably on TV. And I probably yeah, jumped on a bandwagon. Yeah. My real conscious Liverpool fanaticism dates to about the mid-90s when they were dreadful. And it just grew and grew and grew through things like the 2005 Champions League final in Istanbul. And, of course, suddenly 20-odd years and further had passed and we hadn't won the league title. And it, it became an utter obsession of mine to the point I said to people that it is the, la- the only thing I need to happen in my life now. I've done. I've travelled. I've loved my job. I was a husband. I became a father. Every sports team I followed, Valley winning the Citizen Shield, Waitaki winning multiple blood matches. The Penrith Panthers came back and won the NRL again. The St. Louis Rams, the Los Angeles Rams won the Super Bowl. Not the New York Knicks because they're awful. But the one thing I needed, and I can die a happy man, is for Liverpool to win the Premier League. So, you know, and then Manchester City arose, and Liverpool finished second twice. And I thought it's never going to happen until. The year it happened and then COVID hit halfway through that season and I was in the depths of despair because there's talk of they were cancelling the season. And the day that Liverpool sealed the title, I, I just bawled 
bawled my eyes out. Genuinely, I bawled my eyes out. And and now it's definitely made it easier for me now to cope with the disappointment because we've, we won it. Yeah. We won the Premier League. We won the Champions League again, obviously. But I'll be honest, I'm still devastated at how this season has gone. Every weekend, my mood is dictated for a short while. Yeah. I've still got a life to live. Yeah, I wasn't happy with the game on uh, Sunday. I watched the second half and... Uh yeah, the Egyptian king is a bit of a poacher. I'm a bit of a fake. I, I am a cynic now. So yeah. I, I look. I quit on this Liverpool season a couple of months ago. Did you? Yeah. So, so I'm grumpy. Yeah. But I've quit. Yeah. I, I know they won't make the top four. I'm already thinking of next season. Yeah. Uh, but I love them and, and could never possibly comprehend ditching them. And I, I never. I get grumpy with them and I get gutted with them. But I fall back in love with them within seconds. Yeah. And Jurgen Klopp to me is the greatest living human being still. Yeah. He needs to prove that he can rebuild this team. Yeah. And he needs some backing to rebuild this team. But I just love it. I and my son, thank goodness, is becoming a Liverpool fan. He's got no choice. <laughs> no. Uh, and look, my last Too remaining. Too young to be shipped out of home. I want, I want to see a bit more of the world. I've seen a bit, but I want to see a bit more. But really, the num the only number one priority is to go to a Liverpool game at Anfield. And yeah. I will cry when I walk through those gates. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Well, I love it. You'll never walk. Oh, alone. very good. So I'm getting a Liverpool tattoo this year, Damien. Are you really? And I will get the liver bird with YNWA underneath it, yeah. which um, my life's changed quite a lot. As I yeah. said, I'm a solo dad. And when I hear you'll never walk alone, it yeah. genuinely means a lot. Yeah. And there's a brotherhood. There's still quite a few Liverpool fans around. Yeah. Regrettably, I know a few Arsenal fans. I believe the new editor of the ODT, who's coming in in May, is an Arsenal fan. Wow. Oh. This is a problem, isn't it? Did they not ask him at the interview? Well, I, why wasn't I on the interview? Were you not on the panel? I wasn't on the panel. No, it sounds right. It sounds right. He's an Arsenal fan. The, yeah. the assistant editor is an Arsenal fan. And a court reporter who was, he's the he's an amazing journalist, Rob yeah. Kidd, extraordinary man. He's Manchester City to the core. Now, I forgive Rob because he was Manchester City when they were in second division. Yeah. When Paul Dickov was playing up front for Manchester City, he was, so I, that's fine. Okay. If you're a Manchester City fan in the last seven or eight years, I'm sorry, yeah. it deserves contempt. But the genuine Manchester City like fans... Paul Carlisle did. It's just wrong. Yeah. It's just wrong. Yeah. Yes, but, he's um, wrong. Yes, so I love Liverpool. Long story short, the, <laughs> yeah. great, the great sporting... I think we're boring Gary here, even though Gary likes football. Who, who does he follow? Well... We've turned into a. I, I, I chose my team when, when they were in a real in the real heyday for them. QPR. And, um, hang on, hang on. Spurs. Oh uh-huh. yes, yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I've been waiting. I think it's, it's pretty much thirty-five years for them to do something. Yeah, it, it'll come. They. Mm. Yes, yeah. Gary, you'll be waiting a while, Gary. <laughs> if they can't win with Harry Kane, if they can't win something, Harry's not happy with there. Harry. Well, he's doing all right, but anyway. I, think, I think he'll stay, and I hope they've, he stays. They've got some great players, great strikers along the way, but man, they have. Anyway, yeah, very so frustrating. Because I think we've we bored half of we our have. audience. We've lost sleep. We've lost so. We've many. lost our listeners. Is there, yeah. I don't think there's anything else. Um, um, tell me, do you like Waitaki boys? That'll get them back. <laughs> I'm, a bit, I'm a bit of a TV buff. Should yeah. we, any TV you want to talk about? I'm, no, I'm a no, TV no. Hey, I'll ask the questions around here. Oh, sorry. You, you can spot that. the journalists, can't you? Here's some questions you can ask me. <laughs> ask um, me about Game of Thrones, yeah. No, no, we're not going there. We're not going to Game Watch of it, Thrones. Um, probably the most... Who's the highest celebrity you've mm. ever interviewed? Who's right up there, maybe won a few Olympic medals... Mm. Maybe uh, yeah, that's a good question, Damon. You maybe. really wow. You, it's a good question. Mm. It's, look, look, I've got I've got two answers to that question. Yeah. And yes, people want to know. Yeah, I've interviewed most New Zealand sports, but not all not all the great New Zealand sports, but a lot of them. Um, 
and a few have been a real thrill. I mean, Richard Headley, just because, you know, growing up, yeah. Paddles. Mm. Paddles was, was cool. Um, and Brendan McCullum I have a real affinity to because I interviewed Brendan when he was 19 years old in his flat in South Dunedin. And that's quite a good story because he had just begun to emerge as a talented cricketer and I was sent to do it. And I reckon you could tell that he wasn't yet a superstar because I was the junior at the time. I was sent to do it. And in those days, it was just ring him and oh, come out to my flat. Went out to South Dunedin, this grotty little flat, and we chatted away. And halfway through the interview, his phone rang. My memory is that it was a cell phone, but, man, it must have been a brick back in those days. And he said, oh, sorry. Oh, he said, sorry, I've got to take this call. He takes the call, and, and I heard – and. I could tell it sounded like he was being told off. It sounded like he was in trouble. I could tell he was sort of, oh, oh okay, sorry, sorry. And Brendan was a very confident young man, so I knew, so what's going on here? And he, he got off the phone and he looked very sheepish. And he said, oh, that was Paddles, you know, Sir Richard Hadley, who was the convener of selectors for the Black Caps at the time. Anyway, Paddles had heard that Brendan had been doing some rugby training with the Southern Rugby Club. Because yeah. Brendan was an incredibly talented rugby player, South Island representative. Uh, and Sir Paddles was not very happy at all that Brendan was training because he could break a wrist or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I put that in my story, and it's one of my favourite stories about Brendan, the day he was told off and I was there to hear it. Anyway, <laughs> so I love Brendan McCullum, but where was I going with this? So I interviewed them all, but I have two, I have one regret and one most famous. My regret was Larry Bird, mm. the legendary NBA oh, basketball player, that I was simply too freaked out by him. I was in America... <laughs> I went to an NBA preseason game in Indianapolis, the Pacers versus the Bulls, and Gary, of course, um, Larry, a legend of Indiana, Indiana. Uh, and he was three people ahead of me in a queue for food, probably. I think I was queuing for some food. And I just froze. <laughs> Larry Bird? Are you serious? I just froze, and I'm thinking, I, I, I should, I've got to go up and say, hi, Larry, I'm from New Zealand. And I waited and waited, and he got his food and left, and I got my food, and I never saw him again. My biggest regret is I didn't ask Larry Bird for an interview. Mm-hmm. But look, the most famous is a very easy answer I tell people, and the uh, and the name shocks some people, and it shocks them more when I tell them where I interviewed him. So Michael Phelps, mm-hmm. the greatest Olympian of all time, the remarkable Olympic swimmer from America, absolute global superstar. But what's fascinating is that I interviewed him at Moana Pool in Dunedin, and that's a bit bonkers. Now, to be fair, it was before he was big. He was a world champion. So he was very well known. And I mean, the, the buzz that Michael Phelps was coming to Dunedin was real. It was through Speedo. Speedo had brought a team out to Dunedin because Dunedin, you know, Moana Pool, uh, but also the Flume at the University of Otago, which is, you know, that thing where you swim but you go nowhere. You mm-hmm. swim in one spot. And Speedo, I guess Daniel Loder had maybe been a rep. There might have been a Daniel Link, you know, the great New Zealand swimmer from Dunedin. Mm-hmm. And luckily again, I got sent and they said, well, if you go up here and wait here and talk to this person, they might. And I was nervous because he was a superstar, but he hadn't yet been to the Olympics. It was 2003. And there is a photo, which I've got on my wall, of, of Hayden Meikle, this big, tall kid. I mean, I was only 26 probably at the time, and Michael was only about 18. He was chewing gum. He had a hat on. He was an absolute delight to talk to. And years later, I wrote a story he went to the Athens Olympics and won a few, and then he went to Beijing 2008 and won lots, and he became, I mean, Michael Phelps, we are talking, mm. biggest star in the world sport. And I wrote a story, and I'll never forget, the, the my intro was, I don't want to brag, but before he met me, Michael Phelps hadn't won a single Olympic gold medal. <laughs> and then he, he won about 15. Um, 
Uh-huh. Anyway, so Michael Phelps would be Inspirational. the one. Um, my dream would be Steven Gerrard, yeah. the Liverpool legend. That yeah. would be my dream. And I fully intend when I go to Liverpool to try to get media accreditation yeah. of some sort. I mean, or, or Jurgen Klopp, one of those yeah. two would be my dream. Not Salah? Or, no, I mean, Stevie G for me was, yeah. that's he'll forever be my number one. Yeah. And Klopp or Kenny Douglas, you know, one yeah. of those figures. And American sport, I mean, Michael Jordan would be the dream just because he's Michael Jordan. But Kurt Warner is was one of my heroes, so quarterback for the St. Louis Rams, an amazing story. They made a movie out of his life, just one of those connections. I, I've interviewed all sorts of people. I don't get intimidated these days. Meeting Viv Richards was weird. That wasn't I didn't interview him, but it was at the golf. He was an ambassador, oh. and I was just a little bit giddy. Viv Richards. Mm. So I'd still get a little bit of a thrill, um, but I would. Yeah, I, I enjoy interviewing people at the grassroots or so-called famous people, and generally they turn out to be pretty cool. I haven't had too many nasty experiences at all. So if you had the opportunity tomorrow and you were standing three behind Larry Bird, would you go up to him? One of the great regrets of my life. You go and talk to him now? I wouldn't think twice. I'd just you certainly as you get older in journalism, you don't become rude, but you do get way less self conscious about just the reality is I we have to bowl up to people. And of course it's harder. I've got colleagues who have the real tough journalism. You know, Mm. there's been a car crash or there's been a difficult court case where you have to talk to something like that. I, I have huge respect for those journalists. That's not me. By and large, who am I bowling up to? Rugby players, cricketers. Mm. You know, we're not talking. Mm. But um, you certainly lose a lot of that sense of being self-conscious because you can't afford to be. Yeah. I've got a job to do. I've got to bowl up and say, hi, can I just have a quick word, please? What's the worst um, they can do? Say no. Say no. Yeah. Or yell at us, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen the odd politician. Talking to journalists, you, no, not on camera. Not central government politicians. Well, that's maybe. right. Not oh, local government. No, but goodness no. No, I wouldn't think twice these days. I'd be Larry, Hayden Meikle. Yeah, in Dunedin, New Zealand. You've probably heard of me. <laughs> <laughs> Went to Waitaki Boys. Yeah. You've been interviewed eight thousand times in your life, Larry. But have you ever been interviewed by a New Zealander? You have. Um, what about? Yeah. <laughs> he might have been. Yeah. Um, okay. Couple mm. quick fire questions to finish yes. it off because um, we could. I feel like we could talk all night, and I'm, I've actually really enjoyed it. So thank you for coming in. And I'm hungry because yeah. I haven't had tea yet. Oh, so have you not? When do you bring it? I'm supposed to go to Fat Sally's to meet Dan Kino. Actually, I hope he's still there. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't say a time to be. What time's Fat Sally's open till? Yeah, it's Friday night. It's mate. Friday night. Uh, the yeah. kitchen might close about nine. Surely we're fine. You're fine. <laughs> and do they still do the crispy chicken salad? That's the other question. They, yes, anyway, they do. Oh, sorry, Absolutely. Damien, you had so a question. No, 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 it's good. We, um, I was <laughs> a couple of quick fire questions. Now I forgot. I had a couple of good ones. Okay. <laughs> World Cup. Will, will the All Blacks win? No, not a chance. This uh, year? Yeah. Is that a, some sort of joke question? I, I'm serious. No, 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 zero chance. Zero chance. Oh, we didn't talk. So 2007, I went to the ODT, paid. $25,000, I think it was. I went. I did six weeks in France, Scotland, and Wales. How lucky was I? That's mm. brilliant. France, Scotland, and Wales, absolutely unbelievable. But the All Blacks ruined my trip. Is that when they jumped on cars and so stuff? So the first three, yes. Yeah. God, that's a specific memory. So the first three weeks, my editor at the time, Murray Curtinus, an amazing man and journalist, he'd said, Meeks, I don't want you to write about the rugby. And I said, uh, uh, what? Sorry, come again? I'm the rugby writer and you're sending me to France. He said, no, I want you to go off the beaten track for the first three weeks. So I did. I went and hung out with Case Muse and Carl Hoft, uh, who were in France at the time. Wonderful. Spent a day with them. I went to the little towns and did weird little mm-hmm. stories. And he said, righty, I come the quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. This is serious business. All Blacks are going to win the World Cup, finally. First time in 20 years. You're a rugby writer. Happy days. Thank you, Murray. So I did my fun for three weeks, and then I go to Cardiff. And I wouldn't say Cardiff's one of the great cities in the world. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It was all right, but I had a nice hotel. And, of course, 
big business, All Blacks France, Cardiff. You hear half are. the songs sung at the we're on, stadium. We're on, eh? we're on the run home, the All Blacks, and then two weeks in Paris after this. Mm-hmm. What happened in Cardiff in 2007, gentlemen? The All Blacks lost. Just ruined my trip. Mm-hmm. And I rang Murray and said, um, what, what do we do now? And he said, come home. What's the point? Couldn't get a flight for another week. So I had a week in Paris, during which time I went out to Passchendaele, which was an amazing experience for a day, real eye-opener, and nice perspective, thinking, oh, the All Blacks lost, it's a disaster. Oh, no, actually. It's just seeing, a game. Seeing the graves of these young fellas from Otago mm. in Belgium, yep, yeah, okay. So, so that was an amazing experience, but I, so I flew home. So that ruined, so I'm angry at the All Blacks. Anyway, uh, no, 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 they don't win this World Cup. How can they possibly beat Ireland or France this year? No, 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 don't, no, sorry. And I'm not a traitor. All Blacks win, that's great. Yeah. Um, I mean, still means a lot to the country. Not what it did, still means a lot. And they don't have any monkey on their back now. They, they won. 2011, yeah. 20, and 2015, for me especially, that was an extraordinary mm. All Blacks team. Yeah. To win those back-to-back World Cups, bravo to those two All Black teams. Wonderful. So th- to me, there's no sense of, oh, the All Blacks are going to choke. Or, no, well, they're not going to choke because yeah. they're not the favourite team. They're still finding their way, aren't they? They're finding their way. They're in a weird – look, it's weird. Mm. Ian Foster is a – Dead man walking, coaching this team. You can't tell me that it's, I mean, the dynamics of that. If they win, it's going to be an amazing story. Yeah. And Ian Foster, what a story to tell. But the reality is that France and Ireland are the favourites for a reason. I believe the All Blacks at best are about fourth favoured. They've got a tough draw. They've got question marks for me. And we must be running out of time. No, we're doing good. We're nearly at the limit, which has never yes. happened before of our SD card. There we go. All Blacks <laughs> questioned out with any other yeah. questions. Oh, no, I was just going to ask you a blood match. My tacky boys by 50. That's <laughs> something I say that every year. By 50. My tacky boys by 50. How, and how many points is Damien's son going to score? As many as he likes, as long as <laughs> his team finishes one point or more fewer than Waitaki Boys High School. Oh, Fair Corey enough. at Waitaki. You better get him on the field then, Mr Fowler. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Um, no, very good. Uh, old Golds? Interesting period of time. I mean, last year was disappointing, and and Forry, my good mate Jason Forrest, the coach, would would agree. Last year was disappointing. I think they're in an interesting point. I'm not going to make any bold predictions. I, I don't. I think there's talent there, and I think we've got some really great young talent coming through, and they've played youngsters. But the big key, as we've seen from our neighbours that shall not be named, unfortunately, who finally won the Meads Cup, mm. it it's you've got to have stability. And if you're going to get imports, which yeah. of course, every, and we're a tiny district, we need some help in key yeah. positions. You must get the right imports and have them for the whole season. Yeah. I'm, I'm an eternal optimist with the old golds when the Heartland Championship starts, but it's a tough competition. And and I, yeah, it's far too early. I've got not sure, quite sure what this North Otago team will turn into in the next year or two. Did you see how many Fijians are having their debut for Excelsior? So Dan Keno, a great mate of mine, yeah. is the coach of Excelsior. There's some said, very handy players in said, there, apparently. So he's very confident in their level of talent, but it's a very new team. Yeah. And how will they merge and mesh? And Valley, reasonable stability, um, but um, Valley's my team. I'm, I'm picking Valley to win yeah. the Citizen Shield. Valley Kurao, I love the country clubs succeeding. Well, Mally's brother's now playing for... Well, there we go. Well, if he's, number six. if he's half as good and half as big as Melly, well, he's about the right size. He's so. going to do just fine. Yeah. Anyway, we better wrap it up. We're good talk we tonight, and you've got to have a Sal Royale from um, Fat Sales and um, meet Dan Kino and give him some good it's advice actually, about Excelsior. He's just messaged me. It's too late. He's cancelled. He's got an early start. So <laughs> there we go. What am I? Oh. Where am I going to grab a feed in Omru? Okay. Well, Gary will take you out. Well, you, you, you've done the, the the McDonald's versus KFC, haven't you? You've asked him that. Yes, and is KFC open? <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's where I'm heading. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen. Yeah. Hey, thanks, guys. It's, it's been 
been great having you here. Yeah, and I've really been looking forward to having you on. It's ever since you made the comment, um, the word legend is just banded around too much nowadays. And, and now it's really hit a low and, point with and this so podcast. And so I've just waited <laughs> to get you on here. And North Otago Legends, you've made it. There's, so. been, there's been some genuine legends, and you guys have done a great job. This is an oral history as much yeah. as anything, and I've huge respect for, for the both of you, and um, so it's oh. been a pleasure. No, we've enjoyed no. having you on. So thank you for coming, and thank you for making the time. Uh, for us today. No problem. To all your listeners, please buy the ODT and read the Omri Mail. That's all you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Aiden. Well, that was very good. Yeah. I think, I think he's a pretty good talker, isn't he? He's brilliant. He's and a great writer. He's good a great writer, good talker. And I love it. It's interesting. The, yeah. the, the time has just flown by. Well, I think we could sit here for another hour and still get some really good content. But, yeah, um, yeah no, I really enjoyed today. Um, knowing him from school, a couple of years behind me, and to see what he's doing now, to see what he has pride in, you know, in the district, I think that's pretty yeah. special. Yeah, and absolutely. that's what makes him a legend. Whether he likes to be called a legend or not, for what he's done with North Otago, for what he's done with his career, um, he's a bit of a legend to us. Oh, look, he's a legend and he's come from a, a legendary family. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Oh, we'll catch you next week. All the best. <laughs>